I'm old-fashioned, so um, I need notes. Um, first of all, it's uh, great to be with you this morning. Um, <clears throat> I met Keith uh, last year. I was in school, and uh, we are in Sturbridge, uh, the Sturbridge area. And I was over at the park, and uh, I heard somebody, I think my kids were over there, say, Dad, come over to the park. They're having a big crawdad or, no, shrimp, sorry. We're not in Louisiana, are we? Um, we're having a big shrimp bowl. So I go over there, and I love shrimp, right? And Keith was putting this, this event on for the neighborhood, and so we got to meet and talk and uh, spend some time together, went out to lunch. And um, just encouraged by his love for you, uh, this church, uh, we met uh, a few weeks ago, and, uh, you know, I know that um, as a church planter, one who has pastored a church for, for a number of years um, in a small church, the challenges that come with that. And so we talked, and I said, uh, Keith, if there's anything I can do to help, uh, I'd love to. Um, and he said, do you want to you preach? <laughs> I had to think about that for a little bit. Because I don't know if you know this, but preaching takes a lot of time. It, it takes a lot of preparation. Um, it takes a lot of prayer. And so I said, yeah, I'd, love, I'd be glad to do that for you. So he asked me to do that. Another connection I have is with uh, Chaplain Dave Leonard, his wife, Mrs. Leonard. I'm, I say Mrs. Leonard for a reason uh, because I uh, um, respect her and uh, Dave so much of, of what he's doing over in Turkey. And um, so encourage her. Um, deployment is always, uh, as some of you know who have been in the military, is very challenging. So, um, so grateful to be here this morning. And I would, if I could, ask you to turn. By the way, if you're having a, I know some of you, oh, this light is like, wow. I like to see my audience. Um, I'll go back and forth a little bit. You can turn the lights a little bit up if you want. Um, if you're discouraged this morning, I understand Auburn had a rough night last night. And, um, but I want you to know something. Oh, yeah, you're wearing the Georgia shirt. Yeah, that's... That's brotherly love there. Um, I, uh, I'm a Tennessee guy. I'm from Knoxville. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, it's been rough. So for you Auburn fans, you haven't seen anything yet. So uh, anyway, um, so I, I just want to get those things out of the way. Oh, I can see you now. This is wonderful. Okay, thank you. I like to see the folks I'm talking to. Let, um, if you would, first of all, take your Bibles and turn to Matthew uh, chapter 18. Also, real quickly, I was told at 30 minutes, right? 11 o'clock, boom. Is that right? Okay, and then y'all meet in your small groups, correct? Okay. My wife, I told her this morning, he said, I said, he gave me 30 minutes. She goes, oh, no. Okay, so, all right, let's see how this goes. So open your Bibles to Matthew 18, and then um, I want to ask you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Okay, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, English Standard Version, Matthew 18, we're going to start in verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master to order him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, 
And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from the heart. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning to you realizing that you are a forgiving God. Everyone in this room, all of us, deserve your judgment. And when we cry out for mercy and we plead, God, please forgive me, you do. Because that's the kind of God you are. And Lord, this morning as brothers and sisters in Christ, for those in here who know Christ, we have experienced that forgiveness. I pray that this morning, this message will resonate in our hearts that we are called to forgive others even as you have forgiven us. And yet, Lord, there's those in this room who may not know you as Savior. Who are right now thinking of those who they cannot forgive. And maybe the reason is because they themselves have never experienced that forgiveness. So I pray, Lord, for those that this morning would be the morning to know what it means to be forgiven by you. Lord, I pray that you would use this text to conform us to the image of Christ. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. I had slides, but my slides were not good enough for your system. <laughs> so if you're taking notes, um, you, can, uh, you can follow along, hopefully. A number of years ago, I was a resident at a chaplain at a hospital at UT, actually, UT um, Knoxville. I was doing a residency there, and uh, one of the hospital chaplains, who was one of my colleagues, came to me and said, I can't understand those around here who call themselves Christians or those who know the Lord and yet seem so unforgiving. Walking into the hospital room and dealing with people on an intimate level, you begin to understand some of the things that are going on in their life. And this individual had, I guess, encountered a, a patient who had had this deep grudge with his sisters, and he just couldn't forgive. And how many times, maybe... You've dealt with people or know someone who cannot or will not forgive someone who has hurt them. I've seen it time and time again, and you know, the most devastating times have been in the context of marriage. And that's probably more often than not because those hurts are so deep and they're so personal. Um, so if you think about it in this, in this message, you think about it, your relationship with those who are closest to you, it's usually those who are closest to you who can he, he, hurt you the deepest, right? 
your children, your spouse, your parents even. And I don't know how many times I've heard an individual from anger or bitterness says, I can't do that. Don't you know what they've done to me? But as Christians, you've got to understand something. We are a forgiven people. We who have been brought to faith in Christ, that, that exchange that took place, Christ bearing our sins and then Jesus himself imputing his righteousness to us, that was a, a, an exchange that is the greatest of all exchanges. The willingness to say you are forgiven. Sins have been canceled. One pastor said forgiveness reflects the highest human virtue because it so clearly reflects the character of God. A person who forgives is a person who emulates godly character. Nothing so much demonstrates God's love as his forgiveness. A person who does not forgive is therefore a person lacking in godly character and without Christ-like love. No matter how orthodox his theology or how outwardly impeccable his morals appear to be. That's why the title, well, it's not there. Forgiveness. No, guys, I'm not picking on you, I promise. That was my fault, all right? I just keep looking up thinking, oh, there's a title, but there's not. But the title is Forgiveness, a characteristic of God's people. Say it again, the whole, this whole sermon, the characteristic of God's people is what? Forgiveness. It's who we are. And the opportunity and the need to forgive are always present because we live in a broken world and in, in, in need of that constant reality, Right? This world is broken. Where there's relationships, there's going to be a mess. And our sin offends, it hurts others. And the only way these offenses and hurts can be dealt with is through repentance and forgiveness. And I, I get it. It can be very difficult. You know, we've heard over the years, right? We just recently had uh, shootings in school. The one in Saugus this past week is an area that my wife and I lived when we were going through, and I was attending seminary. And uh, the report's coming in. And every time a shooting like that takes place, I, I can't help, because I'm a father, father of five, I can't help think, how would I respond to the shooter? I have four daughters, and I'm a very protective father, because I know it's in the heart of every man. I just think about the abuses happen in our society how would I respond I tell you that my flesh wants to say if that man that boy whatever it may be would hurt my daughter he would no I'll leave it alone because I know that tension in my heart right there's evil in this world it's a reality there's evil around us. And we as Christians are not told that we were gonna, are going to be completely protected. You don't understand that. You know, there's, there's believers all around the world who are suffering for Christ. Suffering greatly for Christ. And they're called to forgive. To forgive. And that's the constant reminder for us Christians. So the question is, well, what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? 
I'm going to give you what I think a, a definition is. We can go f- more in depth, right? We only have 30 minutes. There's nuances and there's all kinds of discussions we could have. But I'm going to give you just a brief idea of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is to say, I'm going to release that person who harmed me from the penalty of debt that is owed. Because if you've harmed me, then you owe me. But I'm going to release that debt. And it has, it's really in connection with justice, right? We want justice. Everybody in this room wants justice, right? Or do you really? Because if you really wanted justice and God was just, it would be terrifying. But we think of in terms of our society, we say, yeah, justice. We want justice. And we forget, wait a minute, what does forgiveness say? Does that mean there's no consequence? No, 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 no. Consequence is there. As I was telling my kids last night, as we were sitting together as a family and we do devotions in the email, I said, let's talk about forgiveness. Five kids, right? As if they need that. They never hurt each other. You know, they're always kind to each other. Loving, sharing all the time. Hey, what's yours is mine. What's mine is yours. No, they needed to hear it. I said, what is, what is forgiveness? What does it look like? And when we forgive, we're willing to say, I'm not going to hold that sin against you. I will not demand payment for that sin. Difficult? Difficult? Some of you in this room know how difficult it is because you may have been hurt deeply. And I'm going to say it's impossible apart from knowing the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You can't. Because you'll go back to that again and again and again. You know, do you realize in this room this, this morning that if you live long enough, and you've already lived, you will be sinned against again. It's gonna happen. And each time you're sinned against, guess what? You are to forgive. It's interesting that Peter asked the question, why would he ask? Well, if you go back in the text in Matthew 18, in verses 15 through 17, or through 20, we're dealing with how a brother sins against you, right? And in the text, what happens here earlier, it, Jesus says, if a brother sins against you, he says, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother, right? So Jesus is talking about how do you deal with offenses? And so Peter hears that, and he can imagine, of course, we could go into that text, that's a whole other sermon, right? That's, that's a sermon in itself, but this idea of going to your brother, you sinned against me, and you and you alone, and working that out. As Christians, that's, what, that's what we, how we model Christianity. We go to one another, we talk to it, we love one another, say, look, you know what you said, that, was, that hurt. And the response should be, I'm so sorry. I didn't, would you forgive me? That should be the model. And Peter's thinking that, and he's thinking in his mind, but wait a minute, wait a minute. What if someone says, comes to me, hurts me, I go to them, hey, you, you've hurt me, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, we forgive me, yeah, I forgive you, and then does it again, and then does it again, and then does it again, and then does it again. You know, it's kind of like uh, marriage. I think marriage, just, just the model of marriage, you could put it on top of almost every passage in Scripture and find something from it. Why? Because marriage is a picture of Christ in the church. And you think about it, and, he, and, he, and, he, and, and Peter's thinking this, and, he, and he's right, because you're going, wait a minute, how many times? And it's interesting, because when Peter asks the question, he says, 
what about seven times? As many as seven times? And by the way, he's being really generous because the rabbis, the rabbinic tradition says three times. That was the rabbinic tradition. And Peter's like, well, what about, you know, seven times? I may be able to forgive him. Maybe seven. Her, maybe seven. Is that good, Lord? What does Jesus say? Well, in some of your passages you have 77 times or seven times 70, right? He's not, Jesus is not looking for a number. Some of you are like, okay, 49, that's even better. 49. That's not what Jesus is doing. What Jesus is saying is he's saying, look, whether it's 49 times or 490, whatever, the point is, is that you just continue to forgive them. Why? Because you have been forgiven. You are a forgiven person. Your debt has been canceled and your debt is far greater and that's what the parable illustrates, right? So in this parable, it's divided into two, two sections. The first section is this idea of God's response to us and then the second part is looking at how we're not supposed to respond. Now I want to take some lessons from that. Let's look at the first part of it. Starting in, in verse 23. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, but he was unable to pay. His master commanded him then to be sold with his wife and children, all that he had, and that payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Here's how God responds. This is the picture. And the reason we know this is, is because he begins this he begins this parable with the words, therefore the kingdom of heaven is like. If you want to know about the kingdom of heaven, go to Matthew 5, verses 5 through 7, which is what? Sermon on the Mount. This is how we're supposed to respond as citizens of the kingdom. And who is the, who is the king of the kingdom of heaven? God himself. God himself. With Christ as Lord and Savior. It's, you know, you said, well, you know, we could go try and Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three, three and one, right? But I want, to, I want you to think, in the Jewish mind, they're thinking of God. They're thinking of God. God himself is the king. And what do we find? First of all, it is the king to who we owe the debt. We owe him a debt. Why? Because we have sinned against him. The story begins. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to the king, and this king is the one whom we owe this infinite debt to. And then he says, how much? Second, the debt was, that was owed, number two, was insurmountable. The king had a servant who could not pay 10,000 talents. A talent is a 20 years Worth of wages. 20 years. 20 years. I'm terrible at math. That's why I went and did a degree in history. But you can do the math, right? 10,000 times 20. Right? That's what he owed. Which means, how many lifetimes would he have to live in order to pay it back? The point of the parable is this. He couldn't. It's impossible. He couldn't pay it back. You gotta understand, the total revenue collected by, just a little side note, Collected by the Roman government for the entire Palestinian region in the first century was 900 talents. Entire region. And he owed 10,000. Couldn't repay. How does he respond? Well, first of all, the servant 
Well, the, the master, look what he says to him. He says, he says, all right, you can't pay it. I'm selling you. you, you that's it. You're going to be sold, and so is your family, which is interesting, right? And what's that going to be like? Well, he's going to serve the rest of his life in debtor's prison. It's never going to be paid. And the servant knows that, and the servant cries out, please be merciful to me. Fell down before him. I will pay all. Does he know? He knows he can't, but what is he trying to do? I will do whatever it takes, right? I'll do whatever it takes. Please be merciful to me. Who is this guy? It's us. That's our heart. We, we look at what God, and we say, we say God, God I can, I can, I'm sorry. I'll make amends for this. I'll do whatever it takes, right? I'll, I'll, I'll live a better life. The problem is the debt is too great. You don't understand. You see, as sinners, we've sinned against a holy, infinite God. One sin, one thought, one word is enough to condemn me for eternity. I've lived 45 years. I told my children last night, 45 years. I can't imagine the debt accrual I have right now. Every thought, every word, every deed, every act, omission and commission, I have sinned against the holy God. What am I going to do? That's why Catholics have this thing called purgatory. I can't find it in their scripture. But that's the idea. If I go to purgatory there, I can kind of work through that in maybe thousands of years or more, Right? But not in this case. Either you can pay it or you can't. And he can't. And so what does God do? In this story, God is merciful to those who humbly seek his forgiveness. He pleads, have patience with me. And it says, out of pity. Another word for pity could be out of compassion. Out of love. The master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. That's what he's done for everyone in this room who's looked to Christ by faith and said, Father, forgive me. I need you. I trust you. And in that moment, he says, you're released and forgiven. Isn't that glorious? That's glorious. Here's the point that Jesus is making. You and I have a debt that is comparable to trillions of dollars and we will never be able to pay it. Our offense against God has been more than you and I could ever repay and even the smallest of sin against a holy and infinite God puts us in a possession, position of owing a debt that is insurmountable. And James 2.10 says, for whoever keeps the whole law and fails in one point, has become accountable to all of it. And when we realize that debt, we come to God in brokenness and asking for pardon and mercy. And what does God do? It tells us, and if we had this slide, I'm just kidding. Colossians 2. I'm picking on the Georgia. You're wearing the Georgia shirt, so, you know, it is what it is. Tennessee guy. He says in Colossians 2, 13 and 14, here's what he says. And you... And you, 
believer, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Praise God. The debt is paid. But we're not finished with the parable. Because now we have the lessons from the unforgiving servant. Because now you walk out and you go, I've been forgiven, I'm free. Praise God. And what happens when he leaves the presence of the king? So what happens when you leave the presence of the king? You forget what the king's done for you. Look what it says. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii would have been a day's wage. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe! By the way, I say it with that emphatic why, because he's choking him. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, I'll pay you. He refused and went in and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. What's going on here? When we are sinned against, how often do we want immediate justice? He went looking for his fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii. hundred days work. Pay it now. This guy's just been forgiven hundreds of thousands of years of debt. Are we any different as Christians sometimes? Someone says an unkind word to us or offends us somehow and we want that person to know immediately and we want them to fix it or we want it fixed what drives that kind of response well that's point number two it's his anger he is angry ever been angry come on touch the right button right say the right thing he is angry and his anger keeps him from having any compassion on his fellow servants you know, we live in a culture of constant anger. People are just so angry. Even Christians. So-called Christians. And the sad thing here is that this, this man allows this anger to consume him because he wants justice. He wants, he's so angry. He's just left the presence of the king. You know, another sad thing is this, of this is this, See this in marriages where people can't let it go. You know, I have a guy, had a guy in my church, been with that, my church since I planted it. Had so much anger toward his wife. I don't know where it came from. I don't. What counseled, talked. It was always her fault. And he wouldn't let it go. And you know what's so sad now? He's still alive. He's kind of gone into dementia he's an older man older gentleman and he's lost everything no one wants to see him kids want nothing to do with him 
wife still feels for him, but doesn't want to be around him because she's terrified. Brothers and sisters, anger can destroy your life. It leads to this attitude of, I'm not, I, can't, I can't forgive, I can't do it. And you know what's happened here? I think we find in verses 32 through 33 what the master said, who is God, who represents God. He said, verse 32, Master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And then he says in verse 33, and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? What's the problem here? He's forgotten the debt that was paid on his behalf. He'd never looked back and saw what his master had done, our God has done, Christ has done for him. And what happens? Oh, come on, two minutes, man, come on. He says this, and in his anger, verse 34, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. <laughs> Stop there. He's already been forgiven his debts. What's the debt? The debt is now, again, what he accrued because he wouldn't forgive his, the servant. Right? The other debts have been canceled. Jesus says, I've, I've forgiven you. What's this? And what's the jailers? A lot of discussion, theological discussions. Of what's the jailer? What's this supposed to be like? You gotta be careful with parables. Not everything is supposed to be something. It's just a picture. It's a story to illustrate something. To illustrate a, a, a spiritual truth. But in this story, I think what's going on is Jesus is saying, the fact that you won't forgive leads you to go into bondage. You go yourself. You end up in slavery. And what are you slave to? The fact that you can't forgive. Bitterness and anger. You yourself, place yourself in bondage because you won't release and free the person who owes you. And so what you do is you find yourself in bondage because you're constantly thinking all the things that that person did to you. Anger and bitterness and hatred is all there. And guess what he says? You go, you're going to go there until you pay all your debts. And he says, so my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you don't forgive your brother. And how do you forgive? It's not just, uh, I, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. That's not hard forgiveness. Forgive your brother or sister from the heart. Who controls the heart? God does. Which means I have to go to him and say, God, please help me to forgive because you have forgiven me. I want to give you one more warning other than, the, other than the possibility of being in bondage to your own unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. There's a passage in Matthew 6, 14 and 15 which is, is part of that Sermon on the Mount passage. I thought about preaching from there but at the end of the prayer, the Lord's Prayer that he taught his disciples, he says in, in 6, verses 14 and 15, For if you forgive others their trespasses, their sins, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. 
And again, we've got to be careful with that statement because you look at it and say, well, if I forgive, then I'll be forgiven. But you've got to be careful not to get the cart before the horse because understanding what it is to be forgiven begins first, right? And then Jesus goes on to say, but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And that causes me to pause, and it should. Here's why. Because if I can't forgive others, then maybe, just maybe, I haven't been forgiven. Maybe it is that because I haven't been forgiven, I'm not able to forgive and I hold on to those things all the time. Maybe it could be that I haven't ever been forgiven because I continually refuse to forgive. And I say that as a warning because he uses all kinds of warnings in Scripture and he gives it to those in the church. And he says, forgive. And if you can't forgive, there's two ways of answering that question. Number one is, how can I then forgive? One is going back to the gospel and being reminded of what you've been forgiven and what Christ has done for you. Or the other is to say, do I really know your forgiveness, God? Have I experienced it? Those are the only two answers. Either I have experienced it, and therefore I know he'll give me the power and the strength to do it by the, through the Spirit. Or I need to get the Holy Spirit. I need to be born again. I need to know Christ and his forgiveness in order to forgive. That's the only two answers. And so I leave that with you as you go into your study groups. I left you some questions, right? Oh, I had so much more to give you. Examples, Joseph, and some other things. But you guys are time constrained. So, oh yeah, yeah. He might not ask me to preach. Somebody might say, <laughs> there's two ways, you know, did you know this? It works for a visiting pastor. It works for the pastor two ways. Either the people will say, we're so glad you're our pastor. <laughs> or people hear and say, man, that was a blessing. Our pastor needs a break occasionally. So it works for him both ways, right? But I just wanted you to think about it as you close. What is forgiveness? I want you to talk about that in your groups. What is forgiveness? And then I want you to ask these questions. How does the gospel relate to my forgiving others? How have I been sinned against? And what are some ways or maybe some examples that you can share? Not too personal, right? And how, what about yourself? How many times have you needed forgiveness? How many times have you needed forgiveness other than God and relationships? And when you received it, how did it feel? I want you to think about those as you go into your small groups. Do you mind if I close in prayer before you come up? Okay, he's like, he's getting ready to pull me off the stage, all right? Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your truth. I ask, Lord, that as we consider this passage in the groups that meet, the small groups that meet, that they will reflect on this question of, am I a forgiving person? And if not, why not? Why is there so much bitterness and anger? And I pray, Lord, that you would reveal that to us this morning, that we would be like Christ, that godly virtue of a forgiving people because we have experienced the forgiveness of you our Lord and Savior. In Christ's name I pray.
Amen.